Welcome to the Cana Connection Podcast. I am excited to have Anya Eliasson, Chief Financial Officer at Oakland Community Health Network and co-host Cheris Juice Burns. Thanks for taking the time to, to talk with us, Anya. Yeah, thanks for being with us. Yep. And we're going to be talking about managed mental health care. So Cheris, over to you. What does Oakland Community Health Network provide to the community? I mean, what, what are you guys doing to Oakland County that's, you know, making it better? Well, so we serve the the population that lives in the county that's considered seriously persistently mentally ill with uh, developmental disabilities, with substance use disorders, and kids with serious emotional disturbances. So um, it's we typically serve people that are beyond what um, uh, private insurance covers and um, what is beyond what the typical community benefit would be. So it's typically a higher level of need population. So uh, we work with not only our Medicaid resources, but our local county resources, and we coordinate with our county government, um, health department. We have a federally qualified health plan that we work in close contact with to make sure people have physical health care. So it's kind of a, we consider ourselves a managed care organization, but it's really for the specialty mental health population. Awesome. I definitely raised a lot of uh, good points that I wanted to go into in more depth. How do you see it, you know, with these changes in telemedicine and some of your new innovations, how do you plan to keep moving that forward once perhaps COVID, you know, lessens, you know, the incentive to continue to influence the the industry to say, hey, this was a good thing. It was a positive thing. Let's let's keep it going. Yeah, I, I think that it has the state has really kind of agreed now that we won't go back to what was before, because that's the constant feedback we were giving them as, as an entire state was that. Don't you can't close that door now. Don't make us go back to the way it was where it was office to office and there was very limited platforms that could be used because, you know, in the non-COVID time, yes, there we would we need to use HIPAA compliant platforms 110%. But in the midst of the pandemic, the goal was just to provide service. So telephone to telephone was allowed. But um, now it's circling back and saying, okay, what did we learn? What did we, what did we think went well? Did we see more people, but for shorter amount of times? And really, is that what we wanted? Are we seeing, you know, we're now seeing people that are getting more therapy because they're able to do it by a, by a telemed or, or Zoom or whatever. And is that, is that therapy really get, still getting us the same outcome we believed it would have if they had been in face-to-face? So it's starting to look back and say, okay, now that we're not in total crisis mode, how can we use this this technology to 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 better services and to better the better serve people? And really, it really does create significant efficiencies from um, a service delivery perspective because you're cutting out potentially an hour of transportation time for a case manager that was driving a half an hour out to each individual person's home, you know. They can, they would potentially be able to fit in two to three more appointments in a single day than they would if they got stuck in traffic or any of those types of things. So, it we have, as I mentioned, presented to our board last night, moving that forward and and continuing that momentum is in our annual plan now. It is, it it's always been important to us. We just had some really significant barriers that were holding us back, but now with with those removed, we see it as full steam ahead because we really do believe that that people are open to technology now and they've seen the benefits of technology and it can just further enhance their services and make it easier for them to get services. Okay, great. Thank you. I, it brings up another point. How do you, how do you collect that data? Is, is another organization doing that? Is that something you guys do internally? You know, how do you validate what it is that you, that you found out? 
So we have an EMR, which is uh, electronic medical record, that all of our data goes into, um, whether it's directly the provider entering it into our system or their system uses technology to transfer that data every night. It does depending on the particular provider, but it all goes into our system, which then allows us not only one do we have to report it all to the state, but it, we, it then goes into our data warehouse. And so our data warehouse is utilized significantly by my staff and our other staff to analyze what's actually happening in the system. And then we, what we do on an annual basis is go and apply costs to those services that happen in, in our warehouse. And then we can use that to do predictive analytics and look at possible ways. When I look at a provider and I see that they're paying, their it costs significantly different for one provider to the other, we can start to dig into those things, but I can do a lot of comparative analysis in looking at that stuff. And it also really just allows us to look at look at data longitudinally over these several years we've done outcomes-based contracting is I have data back going back to, I think, 2004 in there, where we're able to look at what services people were getting and what that means as cost predictors and how to use that data to say, okay, this person had this diagnosis back in 2010, let's look at where they're at now. And are there things we could have put in place to change that outcome or to improve their lives going forward. Okay. Yeah. And you know, the COVID thing is such a once in a lifetime, hopefully event that it'll, I mean, just the comparison of that and the years of data that you already have should be uh, pretty illuminating. Out of curiosity, I mean, how do you rate your organization's performance during the height of COVID? I mean, do you think it was chaos? Was it well-managed? So I'm a little biased because I actually was the interim CEO during that mess. <laughs> so, um, but I would say across our network and from our state, we have gotten nothing but praise on how we handled the situation because the first thing we did in the midst of all this was say, guess what? You don't worry about money. We will reimburse you for every Medicaid allowable cost you have. It doesn't have to be based on the number of encounters or we tried to take as many barriers as we could out of the situation. We did things like um, provide hotels for staff that didn't feel comfortable going home after they'd been in a home that had someone that tested positive. We set up a special agreement with a hospital to have people where they could quarantine if they had had contracted COVID. So it was it was all hands on deck just to support our network and just to make sure that we were keeping the people we serve as safe as possible. And while at the time it was entirely overwhelming, I couldn't be any prouder of how we handled it and how our network handled it and how we all pulled together to just get it done. And that was the goal was to just get it done and just make things as easy as we could for everybody involved because what we needed, it, our, all of our services are essential. There is no, guess what, we just don't do this for a while. It, those are not options because a lot of these individuals need this to, to live their day-to-day -day lives. So um, it wasn't like we could just say, okay, everybody just paused for six months. That, that wasn't a choice for us. These people couldn't go a day without a service. So I'm pretty proud of how we did. But like I said, I, I will admit to being pretty biased, just having been in the seat that I was in at the time. Um, but I will say we've gotten a lot of praise from other people. So I feel like I'm not inflating that a lot. <laughs> well, and it's nice, too, that you, you know, that, that you gave people the latitude to be original and that certainly the entities above you allowed you guys to pivot and respond. You know, like you said, because you can't you can't delay it. I mean, you can't take a couple of weeks to figure something out or a couple of months. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Rob, I, did you have any other additional questions about COVID or any any follow-on items? I mean, so from this is really interesting. So tell me, so as you guys go with this whole data warehouse, are you looking at that expanded um, service inside that to, to be able to get that essential service metrics and data like sanitized? How often is that the operation side that's cleaning up that data? So that's that's something that is. So we function 110% reliant on that data warehouse. So that data warehouse, not only do I have to have the ability to send all the data to the state, yeah. um, but that's really how we've been a data-driven organization for, gosh, I want to say very strongly since probably, I don't know, 2005 and just continuing to build on that. We just recently incorporated a new dashboard technology. So we used to use one, we've switched to the Microsoft solution at this point. And so now we've, not only do I have the data at my fingertips, but now I have charts and graphs that email me twice a week to know how our revenue is doing and how many people we're serving and all of those kind of things. So we're really, we really try to be technology forward. And then we we're able, what we're able to do with that is, you know, I like to think, you know, Medicaid puts all these rules and restrictions and we try to push those boundaries as far as we can and still work within the rules because that's the things that will stifle the creativity and the progress in a lot of this stuff is saying, well, that's how we did it because that's the way they, they, they insist it's done. Well, there's a lot more flexibility in a lot of that than people realize. And I think that our team is really good about being creative within within restraints. And, and that's what's fun for me is, is to be creative in a finance world, which is typically very black and white. Right. I always, I, I live in the gray and I love to push those boundaries. And I think that's what um, our team and our leadership team and our staff are really engaged in our mission enough to want to do that stuff and not just do it the way it's always been done because that's easier. I love that because, you know, but there's that other side that can be complex and that when you bring in either, whether it's you're working off an ERP or you're working off like you you have a dash, sounds like a dashboard that you're able to review real time and how you bring in new technology can affect bandwidth of your staff or momentum, right? So there's Mm -hmm. that training component. Do you, What's your, is there a, is there a factoring that you have just as a, you know, as a senior leader for training? Is that, is that sorry? Yeah. So we're kind of looking at, you know, from our perspective, being, being able to utilize technology is not really an option anymore. It's a minimum expectation. And so for some staff, that's training them up to that. For other staff, it's making sure that they, that they understand it. I would say that the majority of our staff are very comfortable with technology because most of them have, have worked with it for years. There's some that have been there for a long time that technology is really not their thing, but we've come to a point as an organization that we are so technology forward that you can't even, like the way we, especially now, we, have, we, we haven't had people in the office since March. So we are 100% virtual. You know, as, as senior leadership, I go in sometimes just because I need to get out of my house. But everyone has the choice to work from home until January at this point. And if we weren't comfortable with the technology, we wouldn't be running our business. Yeah. And so it is, it is, it's critical for us that everyone be able to use it and use it well, because otherwise we can't function as an organization. And for as fast as we have to turn things around and as fast as we have to get things done, you really have no choice because it's, it's sink or swim when it comes to that stuff. So we're very conscious about training people up to technology and making sure that if they're not comfortable, we'll get you comfortable or we'll continue to train you. And then new staff coming in, that's an expectation that you've got to be able to use Excel and you've got to be able to, you know, 
reduce all, all, some of those different analytical skills and, and, and communicate via teams and all these different options that we have just because that's how we do business now. Yeah. Gosh, that's cool. And part of that, I, I may ask, I, I, was the pipeline. So your professional pipeline, is that coming out of academic? I mean, is that, is that um, in the region? Typically, um, no, it's not. I wouldn't say it's out of out of academic. I would say well, many of our staff are um, clin- have clinical backgrounds. Uh-huh. Obviously, my staff, my staff actually, I have a, a group of accountants who are finance people. But the staff that really do the more analytical work, what I find is the accountants are not a great fit for that. I have one that used to be a nurse. I have one that used to work in a school district. I have one that used to do analytics for a Medicaid health plan. For prescription drug drug prices, huh. so the the people that like the in the box debits and credits every day don't do well on my more analytical responsibilities positions because they don't like the the grayness and the flexibility of it all and kind of the creative thinking that's required. Whereas you know my my accountants need to be black and white and they need to do debits and credits, but like the remi- the rest of our staff a lot of more clinical. Um, and so they have clinical backgrounds. So it's marrying them to the idea that in order to provide good service, you've got to be able to look at the aggregate data and understand and be able to tell the story of what it says. Because just handing somebody numbers doesn't tell them anything. It's interpreting the numbers, telling people what it says, and then coming up with a plan of what we're going to do about whatever it does say. Uh, that's 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 fantastic. That, and, you, and you know, that's really nuanced. I mean, there's not that I know of not a whole lot of organizations in that, especially in the CFO uh, bucket or what is that branch or that staff that has that approach. So kudos, that is really, really neat. And that ties in knowing the operational uh, ebb and flow and, and intent of having those those uh, those subject matter experts, if you will, both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would not be a good finance person in a, in a, in a normal world. <laughs> I would, I would be bored. <laughs> oh man. I'll just say, I mean, just the inflections in your voice is, it's so great to hear about success stories. And I think the, our community, our population of listeners will want to hear, Hey, here's, here's an ongoing management of essential services. That's, it's not just a success, but it's, but it's really it's it's progressive in terms of how you Anya and your staff and team are managing that. And I my hats off to you for those out there. Anya, if you want, to, is there a website or tools, links, etc.? Yep. So our website is Oakland Community Health Network, and it's OaklandCHN.org, which has all of our information and resources related to the services we provide for the people of Oakland County. Thanks for being with us today, Anya. Yeah, thank you. We really enjoyed having you on. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for joining Rob Cranston and myself, Cherish Burns, today with our guest, Anya Eliason, from the Oakland Community Health Network in Oakland County, Michigan. If you'd like to hear more about our podcasts, please visit us at canaadvisors.com, and you can also sign up for our newsletter. Remember, analyze, assess, and execute. 